Um, Abby, do you want to be part of our B-roll? I already was. Well, you are now. Well, fine. Again. Uncomfortably Christian Podcast, Theology Thursday, also just turned into Throwback Thursday with little <laughs> Chuck Berry. That's good, man. It's like I planned it to say Throwback Thursday with Theology Thursday. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Dude, I, theology is very throwback. I mean, it is also... Te- it's. I mean, every day with John Calvin is Throwback Thursday, isn't it? <laughs> sure. So, John Calvin only believes in a five-day week. <laughs> it's the five points of the week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's actually really funny. Uh, hey, Daniel. Hey. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Dude, as I've said, this is the uh, Theology Thursday podcast for Uncomfortably Christian. Um, and we're going to dive in here and get started with um, Calvin's Institutes. However, uh, I do believe that there is a song that we have to analyze there. Yeah, dude. Uh, Why don't you take the... Take the lead. <laughs> what am I taking? Yeah. Uh, Johnny Be Good. Well, I do want to say that um, one of my favorite movies of all time featured that song, uh, Back to the Future. Okay. Little Michael J. Fox. Yeah. You remember that scene? Yeah. Is that the, the high school? Yeah. The high school under the sea dance. Yeah. 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 Uh, where Chuck Berry's uh, cousin, Marvin Berry, <laughs> uh, happened to be singing at that show. Yeah. And then uh, they played. Marvin I don't know what kind of implications they're trying to. They're, I mean, yeah. I don't know if they're trying to say Michael J. Fox is responsible for Chuck Berry. Yeah. But they're not they're not explicitly saying it. They don't explicitly say it, but they don't explicitly not say it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That'd be weird if they explicitly didn't say it though. Yeah. I mean It's like exactly. some weird time loop. It's like uh that movie Interstellar. Here's what I really want to know though. Is this really a song about John Calvin? Um because <laughs> it's Johnny B. Good. You know, yeah. was it like was he talking? Was this really just a song about Calvin's ethics? Oh, Johnny B. Good, except for that one time he burned that guy. Whoa, whoa. Hey, man, don't disparage the guy in the first part of the podcast. Disparage him at the end of the podcast. Okay, you're right. And we're right. analyzing a song right now. <laughs> we're not talking about 16th century heresy trials. So just, just calm down. Yeah, um, I think Johnny B. Good um, is supposed to be a representation of Middle America as they struggle with their total depravity. I didn't know Chuck Berry was that was that deep of a philosopher. Yeah, he was actually a twelve point Calvinist. Really, he was so into Calvinism that he he doubled up on the first he, on he, the first five, yeah. and then he added two more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow, doubled down on the first man. <laughs> See, in facts, that's what we're all about here. Even if you don't like John Calvin, you learned something about John uh, about uh, Chuck Berry. Yeah, so you're yeah. welcome. You're welcome, world. Uh, Thank I you. think that song has been analyzed. 
I I would consider it analyzed. I would consider it analyzed. I don't know if our lawyers would consider it analyzed. I don't know if we can afford lawyers. Yeah, meaning me. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're getting started here. We are on... Uh, sorry for the delay. Uh, we are... The studio time is limited, um, basically, because it's... Um, it's my living room. So Yeah, we don't need to discuss the behind the scenes. We don't need yeah, to break don't the illusion. In. Yeah. Uh, studio time is limited because, uh, well, basically what happened was Coldplay had a session here. Yeah. We uh, let them use our studio. Yeah. They were in town and they wanted to do a quick sesh. And so we said, fine. But that was, when we were, that was on a Thursday when we were going to do Theology Thursday. Yeah. So we missed out on a week. But we're back. Yes. We're here. We didn't we die. We're, we're alive and well. Kicking. Yes. As they say. Mm, kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming. Uh, that's, yeah, it's about right. Uh, so we're, we're still going through Calvin's Institutes. Um, as I said, that is a thing that you can do. Um, <laughs> and so we are doing it. Uh, yeah. We're not 100% sure why. I think we just both happened to be reading it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to podcast about it. At some point, the podcast will catch up with how far we are. That is a day that I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> uh, don't let people in behind the scenes, Daniel. That's your own rule. That's uh, true. Oh, man. Yeah. At one point, at some point, we are going to have to actually like come up with new information. Yeah, like start reading more. Ooh, that's a that's a scary thought. Or we could just end the podcast then, like right off into the sunset. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like have like a good solid run of like 20 podcasts, and then you just... know it wouldn't be a bad idea to turn this podcast into one of those like um, like radio plays. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Like a, a masterpiece theater on the. Yeah. We could just read sections of Sherlock Holmes or something on <laughs> on our podcast. It just we can do multiple voices. Yeah. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> what's that? That was a. It was a southern. It was a Russian. Who has moved to Georgia? Okay, so it's like a kind of a combination. It's yeah. it's a Russian accent with cornbread stuck. That's between good, your teeth. dude. That is the best kind of Russian accent. Hello, <laughs> devil went down to Georgia. <laughs> that was very Dracula. <laughs> oh man. Oh god. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. <laughs> well played. Uh, well, I mean, now that we're now that we made it through that, if anyone is still listening. I just want to apologize uh, for putting you through that, but, <laughs> but we are going to get started here. We are in. We we looked at chapter chapter one last week, um, or whenever we did this last <laughs> last episode, last semester. Yeah, last. It's a once a semester <laughs> podcast. It takes a lot of research. Okay, don't judge. Uh, but so yeah, here we are. We're in chapter two. We're going to do chapter two, and we're going to get started on three. We'll see what happens. Something like that. We'll see where the night takes us. Yeah, we're just kind of, yeah, two, three, and four run together, but they're kind of long, and so we'll just just see what happens. Yeah. You know, we're just going to go with the flow. I like that. Spontaneous. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure you all think that we plan these things out. (laughs) Me and Daniel literally look at each other and go, chapter two? (laughs) And that's, and we just go from there. So That's that's how it goes. This is, hey. But first, uh, Daniel, do you have a, do we have a sponsor? Uh, our sponsor today is the atmosphere and I don't know where to go from. It's dwindling. (laughs) Save the atmosphere. Is that what (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Stop, stop polluting, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, man. Our sponsor this week is the atmosphere. The atmosphere. Please don't kill me. (laughs) Um, There it is. Uh, and that's actually a great segue. You know why? 
You know, because Daniel, you know what this week's um, or this section of Calvin is about? Uh, tell me, tell me more. God the Creator. Oh, and kind of a natural theology. That is spicy. So, I mean, that is a pepper pe- emoji. Peppers are spicy, and peppers were created by God. So, therefore, Ooh. It's <laughs> again, <laughs> I, if you are still listening, I apologize. <laughs> I just want to. I can't reiterate how many times I'm apologizing. Uh, yeah, so we're going to get started on uh, natural theology uh, and talking about God as as creator. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Daniel, first impressions, first thoughts on on this chapter. Do you want to kind of frame it up for us? Where's where's he going with this? Where why are we here? Um, I guess. Do you want to? Can you recap chapter one for us? Or oh man, I can try to recap chapter one. Chapter one talked about um, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of uh, ourselves. I guess the knowledge of self. I was going to say the knowledge of man, but there's also women in the world. Yeah. Um, and how basically they're how gender inter- inclusive of you. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and how basically they're intertwined. Um, so it, it's not like you can start from a point of knowing God so that you can know yourself or that you can start from a point of knowing yourself so that you can get to know God. They're kind of both, uh, on the same train kind of thing. And if you were able to look at my, my hand motions, you would understand what I'm trying to say better. Yeah. We need a video podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's, so now we're moving into the knowledge of God. Basically he's going to start with, um, things that we can know about God. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of set the set the table of, here's the things you can know. You can know about yourself and you can know about God. Mm. Those are the two things you can know. Everything falls under those kind of umbrellas. Yeah. And now he's going to move to what we can know about God. Mm-hmm. And first he's going to say, what it is, uh, chapter two is just, what is it to know God? And uh, he's going to say that first, the first thing that you know, the first thing we all know about God is God is a creator. Mm. That's the very first thing that comes into play. It's because you look at the world around you and you can see that something has created this, that it works together, that it is all, that it's been created. Uh, and so you recognize that there is something greater than yourself in the world. Yeah. And I think he's, he, uh, in this kind of, in this first section, he does dichotomize the difference between um, the general knowledge of God as the supernatural deity Um and as the creator of the world and the intimate knowledge of God as the redeemer. Um, and I think what he's going to say is let's start with, with the more, more general thing. Um, which kind of goes along, along the, the Pauline narrative or the Pauline outline for, for, um, apologetics, I guess, or, or, or the, the theology of, of, of knowing who God is. Um, if, if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul uh, basically starts by talking about, you know, God is, is the creator. Yeah. Um, and then he dives into God as the redeemer. Yeah. So that's what Calvin is doing. And yeah, and, Calvin is Calvin's following the, the argument from Romans. He's basically following that structure. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, one of those quotes that sticks out for me from chapter two is he's saying, but he he goes through and says you can know God as Creator, but that's that's not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, let me still find the quote here. He says, uh, uh, he says we can't conceive, uh, our mind can't con- cannot conceive of God without rendering some worship to Him, um, uh, but unless. Uh, 
we know that not only that not a particle of light, wisdom, justice, power, uh, rectitude, genuine faith will anywhere be found which does not flow from Him, mm. uh, and which He does not cause. In that way, we must learn to expect and ask all things from Him, and thankfully ascribe to Him whatever we receive. So, and it's and for he goes on to say, for until men feel that they owe everything to God, that they are cherished by His paternal care, and that He is the author of their blessings. Um, you know, he's basically going to go on and he just goes on and on about all these good things that God is doing until you realize that you're not going to really truly worship God. So he's saying, on one hand, he's saying you can know that God exists by natural theology and you can know things about God through natural theology. However, until you recognize all these other things, you won't, you won't truly worship God. So mm. there's a one, on one hand, he's affirming natural theology, but on the other hand, he's also saying it's insufficient to know God completely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, that, that dichotomy is, is important for Calvin as he continues his theology. I think also he kind of makes the distinction that, that it's one thing again, to understand a primitive knowledge of God. Um, and another thing to basically know the gospel, which is centered around Christ. Yeah. Um, so I think he would say you could like go out and, and, you know, stand in a prairie and, and admire the beauty of the flowers, the grass, the trees, the clouds, the sky, um, and get a perspective of, of a loving creator. Yeah. Um, but you're not necessarily going to have an understanding of Christ. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah, I think that's, that's helpful. But I also, here's what I, here's what I think has happened is the reaction by the church has been to de-emphasize natural theology hmm. in a way, in, in a really harmful way, I think. Uh, what we've done is we've said, Scripture alone, Scripture alone, and, you know, yes, amen, like, the perfect revelation of God is revealed in Scripture, but very often we try to ascribe natural theology to Scripture. Hmm. And by that I mean we try to read things into Scripture that aren't there. Hmm. Uh, so I look at, like, the creation story. Here we go. Uncomfortably Christian podcast. Here it is. Uh, get some controversy brewing. Like, natural theology, to me, is incorporating science and incorporating all that in. Now, you can read Genesis 1 as a, um, you know, literal six-day creation account. You can do that. I don't personally do it that way. Um, but I think what's happened is we we tend to, if you... If you read Genesis, you know, you realize that it's not trying to say, it's not a science textbook. It's not trying to say, you know, a literal creation in this sense. It's less concerned with the logistics of it. Yeah, it's less concerned with the how and more concerned with the why. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so what, but what we can do is we can know things about God through science. Like, so when, when Scripture doesn't speak... We can we can look to science and look to the natural world and discover things about God. What I think is kind of sad is that the church has moved away from this and has said anything that's not in the scripture is not of God. And mm. that's not what the scripture says. The scripture does not affirm that it is the only source of knowledge, only that it is the only infallible and correct source of knowledge, that it is, you know, that it's the only thing that's completely trustworthy at all times and that all things submit to it. Mm. But it's not to say that like, you know, other things are not true. The sky is blue. You know, 
I don't know any verse that says the sky is blue. That doesn't change the fact that the fact that the sky is blue. Yeah. It is really blue. And beyond that, that you can learn something about God's qualities from looking at the sky. Yeah, and I think that we actually have done a big disservice in the church by moving away from this. We have backed off so much because of science, religion, debate that I'm not really sure is a debate that we need to have, but it seems like a one branch of science versus one branch of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, both kind of the more hardcore sides. Yeah. But I think as a church, we've done a really, really bad job of incorporating science and saying, well, like, okay, so here's this scientific theory. Mm-hmm. And just opening up and saying, is that compatible with Christianity in any way? Yeah. And like humbly going to the Bible and not, and not reading into it what we want to be there, but just saying like, well, what does the Bible actually say about this? Mm. You know, what does it really, really say about creation? I'm just, that's the one that's on the top of my mind. Sure. But what does it really say about that? What does it say about how animals were created? You know, what does it say about, you know, what does the Bible say or not say about evolution? Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not coming down on the side of any of these. I'm just saying these are examples of what we could, we could do, and some of us have just closed off. We, we no longer want to go down that route because we have a false you know, debate between science and religion. Mm. Yeah, and I think, I think um, John Calvin makes a, a, a strong critique against the Epicureans, Yeah, um, which the Epicureans are basically, the way I understand it, it was back in the day, deists, um, where basically, you know, God had something to do with the creation narrative and then he just kind of backs off. Yeah. Whereas Calvin is saying, no, actually God is in, is intimately involved with the workings of his creation, which is why we can gain understanding of who God is from experiencing his creation. And I think that's very interesting. Um, and again, kind of basically echoes what, what AJ was just saying about, about um, why are we afraid to um, use the faculties of logic and intelligence and intellect that God has given us to find out more about him? Yeah, this is actually a debate that goes all the way back like to the very earliest church. Mm-hmm. Uh, this debate between how much can we use... Um, how much can we use philosophy and reason yeah. to approach the scriptures? And I'll just, I'll let you know where I'm at on that. I'm all, I'm all in on that side that you can, that you can totally, that God is truth and in him there is no falsehood. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the pursuit of knowledge and the pursuit of truth through philosophy, while not never to supersede the word, mm-hmm. but can certainly inform us of how to better understand and to read scripture. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. and I think I think scripture is meant to um, to be read alongside the context of God's creation, because if that's if, good, say, <laughs> say that again, Daniel. Say that again. <laughs> you actually want me to say that again? Yes. I think uh, I think scripture is meant to be read and understood alongside the context of God's creation. And the reason I say that is imagine you've lived literally in a dark room your whole life and you're reading scripture, Mm -hmm. right? You won't know what it's talking about. Yes. You won't know what it's talking about because you haven't gotten the opportunity to experience what God has made. So you have all the head knowledge, right? Right. But you, you don't have that intimate connection with 
with how God reveals himself in his creation. Yeah, scripture is written in a backdrop. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, it is not, yeah, and, I, and this is actually, I'm glad we're kind of, we've gone off on this a little bit, but I think it's good. Uh, <laughs> it's, Christian scripture is unique in that it is not, we don't say that God wrote the Bible, like, up in heaven, and then he just floated it down in a basket, like, to earth. Which would have been nice. Yeah, I mean, that would have been that would have been pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> we don't say that he did that. Like he used human authors and their circumstances to write the scriptures down. So we affirm, and Christians should be the most affirming of context. Like mm-hmm. so, we're we're all about like Paul. You know, on one hand we say yes, like it is God's word, but on the other hand, like God used Paul to write it, mm-hmm. and so there is background that has to be used here. Like when Paul's writing a letter to the Romans, like. Who are the Romans? Mm-hmm. Why are they important? Why would Paul be writing to them? What does this tell us about the early church? Like, what is the what is archaeology and what does you know history tell us about what they were going through and how we can better understand how Paul was trying to address it? Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you don't understand early you know ancient culture and ancient customs about um, women's roles in society or slavery or any of that, the New Testament is going to be a very foreign place to you Mm. because he's going to bring up all these things and you're going to be very lost. Yeah. And so in the same sense, like, if you don't understand, you know, if you don't use, use the background is what I'm trying to say is, you know, there is background knowledge available and just because it doesn't come out of the Bible doesn't mean it's, doesn't come directly wrong. Yeah. It's not inherently wrong. Now that's not to say that, you know, every fact claim or every truth claim is equal. Right. And I think that's the distinction that has to be made is our perception of reality is flawed. Yeah. Um, so hence, hence where Calvin is going to say we need scripture because we don't have perfect, we have corrupted. We're so mm-hmm. corrupted that we could know God. God has given us enough information in creation to know. This is where he's going to go is like we have enough information to see and know beyond a shadow of doubt that God is good. He is a creator and he is a loving God and we could come to him. However, human beings are so corrupted. Human beings have fallen so far away. We have broken the fabric of the world and of ourselves to such a degree that we are we suppress the truth, as Romans 1 mm, says, that yeah. we are no longer able to see it, and so we need the scriptures to guide us. Mm-hmm. But Calvin starts with an affirmation of the fact that creation itself is good, mm-hmm. and creation tells us and reveals God to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think that's a that's that's a very and, and that's important because I, I do think that the way to um, combat the you know loosey goosey everyone's interpretation of God is equally valid. Yeah, um, is by saying yes, we can get you know hints of who God is through His creation because He created it intimately and He's still intimately involved in the universe. However, because our perception is so flawed. Um, we have to have an absolute standard of truth. Yeah, I mean, well, here's here's how he puts it. This is the first part of chapter three. There's a very opening um, couple sentences here. He says that there exists in human minds, and indeed by natural instincts, some sense of deity we hold to be beyond dispute. Since God himself, to prevent any man from pretending ignorance, has endued all men with some idea of his Godhead, the memory of which he constantly renews, and occasionally enlarges that all to a man being aware that they that there is a god 
and that he is their maker may be condemned by their own conscience when they neither worship him nor consecrate their lives to his service. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but, I mean, Calvin, this is something that I think, again, we could really, really use to recover this in the church, which is we are not anti-creation. Mm-hmm. We're And it, no one would ever say that, but it sometimes feels that way, Yeah, which is, you know, science has no place here. And I don't think Calvin would say that. I think Calvin would say, you know, don't place, you know, science above scripture. Like if the scriptures and science claim to be, you know, are in conflict, the scripture wins out. But I think also many times in places that we think the scripture and the Bible are in conflict, they're actually not. Mm-hmm. It's our... It's you mean one. the scripture and, and science? Scripture and science. Yeah. What did I say? The scripture and the Bible. Yeah. Oops. They're the same thing. Um, if they're if the scripture and the Bible seem to be in conflict, they're definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think there's many places where it's not, you know, that they're in conflict. It's just our interpretation of them. Mm-hmm. Like we interpret them in a specific way, and then science comes along and says, "Well, that doesn't seem to be from the evidence how something happened or how it occurred." I'm, I'm again thinking of creation just because it's the easiest. Well, yeah, and usually usually the the root cause of that is just a, a simplistic, uh, decontextualized reading of the biblical text. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, just to put it out there, I'm, I'm not a literal, I'm not, I don't, I said it, but I don't literally read it as six days. I mean, you can, and I think you're still Christian and mm-hmm. welcome. And we're glad that you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> but you know, scientists, you're going to have an uphill battle with scientists there. And I think, you know, again, you can certainly believe that, but I think sometimes, uh, what we do is we try to, is we read, the Bible outside of the context, mm. like you said, and to you know to do that is is dangerous. It's, yeah, it's it's scary, and it also eliminates some of God's gift to us. Like the natural world is a gift to reveal mm-hmm. Himself to us. Uh, it is not Scripture alone that reveals. Like we are in the image of God. Like looking and interacting with other human beings tells us things about God. Mm-hmm. In the same way, looking around and exploring nature exploring the sciences, tells us something about God. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I actually think in the early church it was Tertullian? No, I think it was Justin Martyr. Hang on. It's Justin Martyr and Tertullian. If I've got one of these, if I've got them flipped, um, tweet us. Uh, (laughs) But I think it was Justin Martyr was, there's, Tertullian says, um, what have Athens to do with Jerusalem? Um, Yeah, that was Tertullian. I was right. Nailed it. (laughs) Uh, Tertullian said, what have Athens to do with Jerusalem? Meaning, you know, that the philosophy of Athens, that this sort of school of reason, you know, Plato, all of that, is not related to the gospel. But then Justin Martyr came along and said, no, like, this is useful. Like, we can use this in the way. And he used, uh, I think the Latin is like loci spermaticos, meaning that God had, yeah. I know things. Uh, these are. This is what's nice about having a podcast. People don't ask you questions. You just tell people the things that you already yeah. know. Um, so, but he used this term, and it means kind of like the logic being the common not common uh, logic being spread, like mm-hmm. um, that God had given had kind of planted seeds of knowledge throughout history. And meaning, mm-hmm. so what he was saying was like, yeah, you can find things in Aristotle that point to God. Because Aristotle was right about this thing. And if Aristotle tells us a truth, like God is truth. And yeah. Ultimately, I mean, this is the position that I would hold, which is 
you know, ultimately God is the ultimate truth. All truth derives itself in God and mm-hmm. is found in God. And so any truths that you can that you can deduce or find will be found or have their root in God. Well, and, and it just goes to show that a lot of uh, a lot of early Christian apologetics and theology is very Aristotelian and um, in the way it describes certain things, um, while still you know rejecting a lot of the claims that that are you know in contradiction to the gospel. Um, I wonder, and let's. I want to just ask you this, um, real quick. How much of that do you think we've kind of brought on ourselves by, and by that I mean like, in a certain sense, there will always be those that will question Christianity. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how much we've kind of created this sort of... Like counter skepticism? Yeah. I wonder how much we've kind of like doubled down on their skepticism yeah. by doubling down on um, kind of fundamentalism, yeah. fundamentalist readings of... Of scripture, so I mean, like, I'm trying to think. I'm just trying to think of something other than creation. But yeah, I mean, we can all think of of sort of issues on this. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much we've kind of doubled, you know, doubled this down by, or created this sort of backlash by. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know. I just, I just thought of this, so I have. I have. I don't have an answer. I don't know how well I'd, I'd be able to answer that. I do think. I mean, within the evangelical tradition, we are not without blemish. Um, uh, as far as, you know, how much of it we're responsible for, probably a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Very confident. Here we are. (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, as a, as someone who subscribes to the fact that humanity has fallen, um, and that, that doesn't, um, that the, the church is not safe from that fallenness. I'd say we're at fault for a lot of it, probably. Yeah. But on the other on the other hand, humanity has fallen, and so we could probably be perfect, and people would still yes, s- absolutely. It. So I don't want to I don't want to pile on us too hard, evangelicals. Like, yeah. You know, let's. We already have enough things to feel. Well, we already about. have enough. <laughs> yeah, we should already feel bad enough as it is. Like, <laughs> let's just let's ease up. We're still feeling bad about this other thing. You know. It's <laughs> uh, good. I, yeah. So I think, man. It's a, it, I, I really think if if you take anything away from this podcast, I really hope this particular one that maybe go go grab some philosophy and or you know go look at some science. Or Just stuff. sit in a prairie. Just sit under a tree. Hey, you know what? Book recommendation right here. Um, I actually gave you the book. I don't know if you started it at all. Yeah, I, I read the first word. Oh, good. Nice. On the on the back. Nice. Uh, there's a guy by the name of John Walton who um, is a professor of Old Testament at Wheaton. Uh, in Illinois, and he's written a couple of books. Um, one is called The Lost World of Creation. One's called The Lost World of Adam and Eve, and one's like The Lost World of Scripture. But he does, like, he does, you know, Scripture in light of ancient Near Eastern culture and mm-hmm. theology context. and kind of context. Yeah. And it's really, really interesting. I won't say, like, where I come down on all of his points, mm-hmm. uh, because that would take another podcast and a mm. book review podcast. Maybe we'll do it at some point. Uh, if I ever finished, yeah. If you ever finish the book, I mean, we got to get through John Calvin first, and we've got we are on page eight of about <laughs> about a thousand. So we're doing well. So at this pace, it's four pages per podcast. Mm-hmm. So we've got two hundred fifty podcasts to go. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> 
What is that? <laughs> Child's play. Uh, yeah. So, but John Walton, um, check it out. Yeah, did some good stuff. Um, it's you know he's rereads sort of the Genesis text in sort of different ways, and I think the best thing that he does. Again, I'm not going to co- say where I come down on all of his points because he definitely has some interesting different takes on it, but. I think he does a great job of reading, of taking the the sort of this is how we've always read scripture, and just you know, or like saying, oh, you have to read it this way, mm-hmm. and saying, well, no, you don't. Like maybe yeah. maybe it means this. Like it could very well mean this, and just kind of taking those blinders off, and not saying like he doesn't say this isn't authoritative or it's not the or it's not you know God's word. Mm-hmm only that the way that we've read it could be wrong. And I yeah. think he does a really good job of, at the same time, affirming the the infallibility of Scripture, mm-hmm. while at the same time, you know, questioning the way in which, the saying that just because Scripture is infallible doesn't mean our interpretation is mm, infallible. That's good. So That's important. That's an important distinction to make. Yeah. So. That's good. Uh, yeah. Anything you want to say on top of that? Um... I mean, when it comes to John Calvin, I think what has been said has been said. Yeah, I don't uh, think we've come up with anything really new, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I mean, I just, I'm blown away by the fact that this guy comes along, um, what is it, like 500 years ago? Yeah. Something like that, and... Um, 470. And it's still... <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Okay, Sorry. guy. Sorry. Sorry. A thousand <laughs> apologies. I repent. I, I, I apologize. Um, it's still so uh, re- um, relevant to our context. I know you love the word relevant. Uh, uh, that's your favorite word. Yes, it's um, so relevant. <laughs> but I think I think um, his his exposition of Christian theology. Um, people tend to focus on the nasty aspects of John Calvin. Well, people tend to focus on the nasty aspects that they made up. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just read sections like I'm, I'm here you go. Pulling the curtain back. I'm thinking of doing something on some research work on Calvin's concept of paternal care and Mm -hmm. like God as father. Yeah. It's all over the text. Yeah. God as a father. Mm-hmm. Like he's all, you know, you think of Calvin and you think of him as this like guy who sees God as an authoritarian kind of dictator, dictator, tyrant. And Calvin says, no, he's a great father. Yeah. He's a good, good father. And we need to, and you know, he's not going to say, you know, oh, and that means it's just ponies and sunshine all the time. But he does say like, God is a father who mm-hmm. loves us and cares for us. And I think like for people who haven't read Calvin, it's shocking Mm-hmm. Because you know you get this picture of this guy, and then you actually read him and go, "Oh, he's not really like that at all." Yeah. So, in light of that, go uh, go find a field of tulips. Yeah, I think we had a couple tweetable moments in there, didn't we? Yeah, probably. Well, so, on that tweetable moment, bye. <laughs>